0: I want you to open to Proverbs chapter 23 for a moment, and then we will commence from there on the subject we started last week. I don't think I gave you a title last uh, Wednesday night, but the title is The Spiritual Mind. The Spiritual Mind. It's about thinking, the anatomy of thinking, how a spiritual mind functions. If a mind is spiritual, What is it about a mind that makes it spiritual, and what is it that makes it non-spiritual? Do you believe a Christian could function non-spiritually? Of course you do. doesn't mean that because you messed up or made a mistake or had a bad day that you're lost or anything. But if you're not careful, if you don't stay in charge, if you don't guard your mind, as the Bible said, it can be invaded and lots of trouble can come from it. And you can really have a continuous bad day. Christians live far below the level they have for them. They live far below what I'll probably start with next week. And the same subject is success. And they live far below the level of success that God has for us. And I'm not talking about having money and things that might be included. But success goes beyond that. Because a man can be successful just being in God's will. That's all he has to be. He'll find success there because he'll find contentment. And that was the word I was going to hide from you till next week, but now you're ready for it. I mean, Proverbs 23, 7, this is a spiritual law, a spiritual principle, a spiritual law. It's a truth that affects all of us. And it says this, as a man thinketh, or as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we are the products of what we think. If we think wrong, we'll do wrong. If we think right, we'll do right. But it depends on what you let govern, expose itself to your mind that you dwell on. One translation says like this, for as the thoughts of his heart are, so is he. So it says in principle that all of us, doesn't matter who we are, lost or saved, but especially I'm talking to the saved. You are what you think. And you are as you think. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Barnes, Albert Barnes in his notes, very good commentator. Barnes says, all he is all along in his heart, so is he at last in act. For what he does is what he considered doing. No man tells lies without thinking, first of all, about, His need to tell a lie in order to advance himself or to save himself. He doesn't steal or harm people without thinking of it first. And as a man thinks, so is he. Now, last week, I said this. Let me just bring us up to stuff. The devil knows this as a truth or as a principle. He knows if he can get you to think about what he's doing, he can control you. At least in some area of your life. Doesn't matter what church you go to, what kind of religious experiences you have had, if he can gain access to your mind, give you something to think about that he gives you, and you dwell on it, he in that area, and in some areas of your life, he can control you. He can master you, in other words. We're even told as Christians, Paul wrote, he says that as Christians, we're in a warfare. Remember this? We're in a warfare, and the weapons of our warfare are not guns and Alarms, the weapons of, warf- of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And he mentions what those strongholds are. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. If God said this is the way walk in it, the devil might give you a thought. Well, that's noble and that's good. And I think you should. If you, you know, if you can, but not everybody can do that. And so they begin to think, well, that sounds pretty good. I'm not ready for that. And so they begin to back off. But see, you bring that thought to the light of God's word. That isn't what God said. He didn't say you weren't ready for that. You wouldn't have heard it if you weren't ready for it. The problem is there's something in us that just is unwilling to see ourselves taking that biggest step. Well, what would people think? Because a whole lot of our life is about us. It's about me, what people think about me, what's in it for me. Well, how can I improve myself? How will I be thought of? And the devil likes to keep self on the throne. Because as long as he can make your life governed by how you feel about yourself and worry or concern about what others may think about you, he can keep you from serving God. Because if you serve God on God's terms, you're not going to be highly thought of around anybody too terribly long unless they're of like precious faith. That doesn't mean the world can't see you as a nice person and a decent person and all that. But if they're around you much and you get to talking and these subjects come up, if I'm around nice guys that I know, the good old boys, and I can get along with just about anybody. But if you stay around them enough, if you run around with that crowd out in the world much, eventually these truths are going to come up. And they're going to be a dividing issue between you and somebody else. And sometimes we can't, we just don't want that to happen. We don't like to imagine those images I'm talking about. They don't like to see ourselves being put down, put out, rejected. Not popular anymore. Not really cute anymore. Not really handsome anymore. Not really wanted anymore. Must be a terrible thought for a person to be all locked up in a little room where he sees, she sees herself as unwanted. Nobody loves me. That's not true, but it doesn't have to be true to be a test. The devil gets people to think like that all the time. They're just gloomy. They're difficult. They're dismal. Backward, shy. Unable. You know, just lonely feeling. It's not God's fault. That's what the devil gives people to think about. That's how they see themselves. These are the imaginations you gotta cast down. Imaginations comes from the word image. Image has to do with pictures. As I said last week, we don't think in words. As a man thinketh, somebody said, I have a big hairy dog. You don't think B-I-G-H-A. You don't think like that. Boy, you ought to see my new lawnmower. I don't think a L A W N -I I don't think like that. I have a picture. I'm I'm familiar. Through teaching and education, I'm taught things, things that have a picture. I can understand things because there's a picture that goes with what you're saying. If you speak in a foreign language, I have no idea of what you're saying. Even though you're saying something true and right, it doesn't, it doesn't work. There's nothing in me that can relate to that. Words have to have pictures. You know, when God made the world, there was no world. There was nothing that could be patterned. It was without form and it was void. Now, what I'm saying is politically incorrect, but it's true. And God had on the inside of Himself had to. There was a picture on the inside of Him of what He wanted out there, and the way that out there became was when God spoke that. He framed what was inside of Him and He spoke it. Earth and pop. There was a thing out there, light, and then everything that happened. But it all happened because God spoke a word, and the word had an image, and and that's the way we operate. Did you know that we have the privilege in some ways of doing what God told us to do, like speaking to this mountain and tell it to go, speaking to hills? Jesus spoke to fevers. He used words The fever go. We can do that. Jesus said to a dead man, come out. And a dead man came out. That's the power that's in words. But words don't mean anything unless they have pictures. If you can't see yourself the way God describes you in the Bible, then they're just words. But when you begin to see yourself as God shows you, more than a conqueror, able to do, nothing impossible, head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed going out, blessed coming, Whatever you put your hand to. If you don't see yourself like that, if you cannot imagine, image, get the picture, that's the way God sees you. And if you can't see that the same way with your heart, then you and God are not in agreement. He says you can, and we say, well, I don't think I can do that. Then you say you can't. you use the right words a lot of times, and you're standing on the right word, but you don't believe them in your heart. And by believing them, I'm saying they're not real to you. They're just words. And I think the church is full of people that the Bible is just a bunch of nice sounding words that people ought to hear. But when those words have reality, they have pictures. And you can see yourself. We use that kind of talk all the time. Somebody makes a mistake and we find ourselves saying, I just can't picture him or her doing that. Because without realizing it, you have an image of this person. And you just can't picture them not being like that. Or your child messing up. I just, I just can't see him doing it. Or you ask for directions. How do I get somewhere? And somebody begins to describe. Go up this street, turn right at the traffic light. Well, you know what all of that is. And then you drive up there and you look for all that. Because he said, well, there'll be a traffic light with a bush there beside you. Turn right. Or somebody says to a blind man, a man that can't see at all, wouldn't know what any of those things were by visual, but they say to him things, and he gets it, and he says, oh, I see what you're saying. Even blind man can say that because he doesn't have to see it with these eyes. He's, he's got these other kind of eyes, you might say, the eyes of your heart. And God wants to project into that heart, into your heart, the reality of what he said by giving it a picture so that you can see in your heart what God is saying. Now, when your day is filled with negative thoughts, when you think on the things the devil gives you to think about, all the problems and the woes that all the talk shows just continuously yap about, or even the news, I mean, just negative this and negative that, you keep listening to it and eventually you'll start thinking like that. And then when gas prices go up, you'll start complaining like they do. And you'll start grumbling about the cost of this. And then you'll begin to find yourself wanting to do something about it. Then you go to church and the preacher says, that's not the way Jesus said we live and that's not the way we deal with stuff. My God shall supply half of your needs according to his riches and glory. Half of them. Supply all of them, won't he? And yet... We find ourselves complaining about this, and I don't have that, and can't I can't. Why are you talking like that? Because that's what's in your heart. Well, the movie in your heart, the little picture show you're watching, is horrible. Because that's what's governing your life. That's why you're a negative person. That's why you always see the, you know, the glass is half full, not half empty, or it's half empty, not half full. I mean, you just see it wrong. But that's the product. Of who's gained access to your thinking. And the life is full of ugly stuff, trust me. And we're faced with negative things all the time. But we don't have to be like that. Because God is making us, God has a picture of how we ought to be. You know what it is? We sing it to be like Jesus to be like Jesus, to grow up unto him, as Paul writes, into the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ that God has projected in Christ in the Scripture, what a perfect man is, the kind of man that we ought to aspire to be ourselves. And what do we do? We're not watching the same movie. Be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Oh, there's nobody can be perfect. And you've already said, God said you can't, but I'm saying you can't. God shows you one way and say, oh, no, that's not possible with me because we see ourselves still less than what God projects us to be. Now, I'm not talking about us bra- bragging and boasting. We got no brag and no boast. We are still unprofitable servants. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your character. Because you see, God shows you to be the kind of person he wants you to be. And said this in 2 Corinthians three eighteen. He said, but the Holy Spirit is changing us into the same image that we see Christ in. Remember that in 2 Corinthians 3.18? For he says that we are being changed into the same image. Well, let me read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. You were there last week. Probably still fresh in your, in your mind. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a what? a mirror what does a mirror do listen a mirror reflects back an image doesn't it when you look in a mirror do your eyes say t o m wow don't l o o k s o g o o d now i'll tell you one thing about a mirror, mirror mirrors are brutal you talk about legalistic oh they won't lie. They won't bend. And if you do get one at bend, it makes a fool of you because you got one of them circus movies, you know, one of them circus mirrors. Mirrors are true. You look at it, what you see is what you get. But we all with unveiled face looking and beholding in the same mirror, each of us all alike, we see something, two things. We see what we are and what we should be and what we're not. We see who he is. And we're given up encouragement that we can be like that. Not a redeemer, not a savior, but we can live like that and be like that. Even John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. Paul said in Galatians 4, he said, I travail in prayer for you until Christ be formed in you. And what's the fruit of the Spirit? Nothing more than the reproduction of Christ living through you. Love, joy, peace, divine love, all the things that are of God. Something is growing inside of you. Something is changing. You're becoming a new type of person. All things are becoming new because you're decreasing. He's increasing. But that's the picture you get as to how you ought to do it. Again, he said, with unveiled face, we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed into the same Is it there? Does it say image? The same thing you see is the same thing he wants you to be like. And that's the work of the spirit. And why isn't it happening more? Because we, we excuse ourselves from being like that because we're saying in light of how I see me, I cannot be like that. And God says, You're looking at the wrong thing. As I look at you, I see nothing good. Because there's no man righteous, not even one. That's what He said. All we like sheep have gone astray. But I didn't choose you because you were ugly. I chose you for why He chose me. And I brought you to me, I planted you in my courts. I sent the Holy Spirit to you. You receive Him. And he's going to do a work in you. He's going, to, he's going to do it like this. I'm going to put in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the last two has the hardest job. But they're going to labor in the word to give you words, W-O-R-D-S. They're going to give you words. And these words will have meaning to those who want it to have meaning. They'll see it. And when they see it, they will grasp it. And they will make words their own. They will hide these words in their heart, and this is what they will have as their hope or expectation. This is what we can be like. We can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens. So we can quit singing that, oh, I'm just a poor. We can quit singing that song because that's not the picture that God gives of his church or of his people. God wants us to see have a picture in our heart of what God says about us. Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. I love reviews. Paul's prayer for his church at Ephesus was, I pray that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give to you, remember this, Ephesians 1, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And verse 18 says, that the eyes of your heart... Would be enlightened. Eyes of your understanding, the King James says, but it's a word for heart. The eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That is on the inside, where the real you sees, as you think in your he wants the eyes there to see what God is saying, because that's the only way we can be what God says for us to be. It's got to be in the heart. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. This is how he's changing us into that image because God puts words in our hearts and we say, can this be? And boy, the more you dwell on that, the Holy Spirit begins to take the film away of doubt and unbelief and you begin to see the possibility that even you, even me, we can be everything that God says we can be. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If that's not true, let's go home and leave this building alone. And if it is true, then let's count it a great prize to find this pearl of great price. Let's strive to enter in. Let's make it our goal to let Jesus have his way in our life. Now, turn to Isaiah 55 so we can get started. Isaiah chapter 55, concerning your thinking and having a spiritual mind. This is what he said. Let's begin in verse 6. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Let's read it slow. I mean, get what he's saying. Don't just let me say it. You follow me. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Does that mean that sometimes you can't just find him when you want to, but he has to invite you? All right. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now let the wicked... Forsake his way and the unrighteous man his what? His thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he'll have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. But you got to get your mind right. Your thinking's all wrong. The product of your thinking has led you to a dismal life that not even God can use. Because you can't see what God is saying. Now the next verse. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Is, is that our problem? Of course it is. Think of this, think of this. God is saying, I want you to see what I'm saying. I want you to be like what I'm saying. If I said this is the way walk in it, you can if I show you that Jesus Christ and said, I want you to grow up in the measure, stature, of the fullness of him, then you can. I don't care what's telling you you can't or what kind of bad theology talks you out of that. It's you can be what he says you can be. But the problem is, he said, we're not on the same page, God would say, or we're not compatible because you're not thinking the way I want you to think. I'm giving you a word that tells you how to think, what you ought to be seeing. And because you're not thinking right, you're not living right. Because as you think, you, you are. So you're not thinking right, and you're living wrong. Your ways are not my ways because your thoughts are not my thoughts. Then notice this. The next verse, he said, for as the rain comes down from heaven, the rain comes down from heaven, this is an illustration, and waters the earth and causes things to grow on there. earth, causes it to bud. seed for the sower and all that. He said, so shall my word be, in verse 11, so shall my word be that comes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It's designed to do something. Do you see this? The word that he has spoken, that he has sent, is designed to do something. It has an intended effect. And it does what he says it would do in those who receive it. He said, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now stop. I get the picture. God sent his word to do something. What did he say in his word he wanted to do? Thousands of things. In the New Testament, it's a clear picture. For example, we are more than conquerors what? Through Christ. We are seated in heavenly places. Therefore, the devil's under our feet. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. My God shall supply all of my need, He shall cause me to triumph daily in Christ Jesus. So, where's the devil? He's under my feet. That's the picture. You're not some forlorn little something that was saved to come dragging yourself before God and hope for a little morsel of bread and a little glass of creek water, maybe a few wild onions, you make it into heaven. That's man-made religion. God shows everything different. We're almost afraid to think like that for what people might think. with you, They must think they're really, I don't think I'm much of anything to tell you the truth personally, but I do think what he thinks about me is really good. And I want to see myself the way God shows me to be. That's what I want. I want to be like he said. We sing the song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask is to be like him. Well, you want to be like Jesus, you better get your horse saddled up and get ready to ride because this is a good journey you're on. We're not going, we haven't gone far enough yet. I mean, this is a bunch that was brought out of the world, slimy creatures. Brought out of the slime and the junk of this world. And the almighty God, only he could, he sent all of his power and force to cleanse this church so that at the end it's without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. He told us that if if we are spiritual people, we will keep ourselves, James says, unspotted from this present world. We got to get the picture, not only how I should live, some things I need to tighten up on in my life. God doesn't like this, I got to do that, but also to realize that I'm in pursuit not of a dream, but of a reality the Word of God. If God said it and He watches over it to perform it, then He'll do it because He has aimlessly said nothing. Everything God says has a purpose because what did He say in verse 11? So shall my word be the what goes forth out of my mouth. What do he say it will do? There's two things. It'll prosper. What did he say his word would prosper in? He said it would prosper in what he sent it to do. Now let me ask you a question. Did he send his word to heal you? That wall over there, the writing on the wall says he does. Did he send his word to redeem you out of darkness? Then darkness has no right to you did he bear your diseases and carried your pains and they have no right to you Amen. i enjoy the picture seeing myself well of walking into these gray-haired years of my life without fear i like that because that's i got that from the word i'll never spend the day alone the rest of my life i will always have with me two friends goodness and mercy. And another word for mercy is loving kindness. Thy loving kindness is better than life because you can't get it in life. It only comes from God. And some who get it are so satisfied with it, they don't want anything else besides that. What a picture God gives to those who will receive it! What an image that God can form in, in a person's heart. No one of the psalmist said, Open thou mine eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things from thy law. Because it's all in there to be revealed. You can't just see it. God has to open your eyes. A lot of intelligent people today have eyes to see, but can't see. They have ears to hear, but this is mush. Meaningless jar, nothing. But God said, This is what he gave us. Paul wrote, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say in Philippians 2, the picture is one who became a servant and humbled himself and was totally yielded to God. And therefore, God was able to fill him with himself, which he already was anyway. But it's a picture. Let this mind be in you, which was also in him. Think like he thinks. He said, you can. My thoughts are not your thoughts, so therefore his thoughts can be my thoughts. And if God is not in all of our thoughts or he's not occupying the thinking part, I promise you the devil is. He gives you something to think about. He sure does. No wonder Paul says to us as Christians, our minds have to be renewed. They have to be renewed so we can prove what God's will is because there's nothing higher than that. Because God's will is, again, this is this image that is projected into your heart by the Lord. It says, this is what you can be. This is the way it can be and should be. I'm not going to make this work. I'm going to show you the way it can be. You give me your will. Give me your heart and we'll bring these things to pass. Now, turn to Psalm 119 and verse 139. This is about how thinking, how spiritual thinking changes us. Let's begin with how we do this. We, I've been talking about it, so now let me, let me say it like this Psalm 119, verse 130, said, The entrance of thy words, the entrance of thy words give what? Light. Before there was a word entering into our heart, what was it? St. Dark. All right, now let's go back to creation. When God created the world, it was dark, was it? Where did the light come from? It came from God as he spoke a word. So there is life and light in the word of God. Now, if I want to escape darkness, this gloomy attitude that so many have, I don't know what to do. I just, if I want to escape that, I need some light. I got to want some light because light expels darkness. Light makes seeable what was once not seeable. When we were in that hopeless former state in which I don't know what we're going to do, I don't know I just, this, I don't know uh, That's such a dismal life. Because everything was dark, we had no light. There were no solutions. And then we got saved. We have a heart that God now can speak to. Eyes that do desire to see what you're saying. I want God now to frame an image in me of what He says that He wants, that I can be, or what I need to change, whether they be strongholds or victory. I want to make it clear. And so God began to put those words into our heart. We begin to see things differently than we had ever seen it before. Now the Word of God is making sense. And you think, well, why couldn't I see this before? Because you were lost. The only reason you're seeing it now is because you're looking. Even the change that God makes in our lives is not why we're looking for tomorrow. He said it's why we're looking to the mirror, isn't it? You've got to see what he's saying and then desire what he said. You've got to have a heart for it. And when you do, things will begin to happen. In Psalm 124, he said, unto the upright, there ariseth light in darkness. And this world is full of darkness. The world is full of darkness. The world lieth in darkness. Some translations say the evil one, which is still true. The prince of this world, powers of the world, so forth. And in this world, the best you can hope for is that All the glamour of this world. Look at some of the people you know that or hear about or read about that have the movie stars, the athletes that have all the money and the fame and the fortune. And you read later on how they're drunk, doing drugs, can't stay married, can't get along with anybody. Do you think they're happy? All that stuff that the devil showed them, the kingdoms of this world, and they got it. At the end of their life, he made fools out of all of them. There's nothing to it. It's death. Look at the church today. The church wants to somehow appeal to the same junk. Change the old gospel and change these old outdated songs. And let's quit wearing ties and let's wear flip flops and let's just be free. And then what you got is there is a way that seems right. But it's a way of death. The people in it are going to succumb to the same death. Oh, but they preach the word. The devil always throws in enough to get you hooked. I read a little bit the other day about this preoccupation with the Christian and the world view. Who cares about the world view? World view, that sounds political to me. I got about as much use for politics as, well, I don't have much use for politics. Especially in one of the political parties booed God, booed Israel and applauded abortion. My God in heaven, how could man stoop to such a level and think he's right? I don't get it. I do get it. It's what that thing out there they call the world is done for. They get this image, we can be. It's all about power and fame. Power and fame. And yet the end of it is death. And here you are escaping all of that, dreading to give up a little bit more of the world. Every time you go to church, I got to give up something else in the world because I got to go to heaven. A little bit more of the Holy Spirit didn't drag you in here to let you alone. He's going to wear you out. Amen. He'll chasten you. No chastening for the is Joyous, but what? Grievous. Nevertheless, when he gets done with you and you're redeemed and you're recovered and you can see the truth now, you're rejoicing. Well, I'm talking about people are thinking about the things the devil gives him to think about and he's controlling them and he's making fools out of the whole world. We think it's so important. Christians think it's so important for the church to feed this one or do that or or to go be busy socially. Our call is to make disciples. If you want to go do those things, that's the burden of your heart. You go do that. But our call is to make disciples. To prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. Because they that were ready went in. And your works don't make you ready. The thing that makes you ready is the cleansing of his word. The separating effect of his word. And we take offense at some of the things I just said. Some people would, you wouldn't, because they never heard anything else. They just assumed that this is what we do and this is how we do it and it's all right. But it's not all right. Because God wants you to be the way he wants you to be. And that's what his word is going to be all about. And that's where we're going to go. Now, if you turn to Psalm 1. This is my message tonight. Let's start now. Psalm 1. We got an introduction. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man. You got to like that. Blessed is the man that what? Walketh not. Standeth not nor sets down with. Walketh not with who? The ungodly. Standeth not in the what? The way of sinners. And setteth not? Boy, listen, if you all knew what scorners were, you'd turn your radio off about two-thirds of the time. Scoffers and scorners. Opinionated people. Just yapping. But anyway, he said, blessed is a man who doesn't sit with them, doesn't walk with them, Whatever else in there. But his delight, his valuable thing, his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God that God sent to change you. And in his law, what does he do? On church night. And in his law doth he on Wednesday night meditate. Now, let me tell you right away I'm not talking about yoga. I'm not talking about some drug-infested somebody sitting out there in a cold room staring at the sun thinking some mantra, some spiritual concept, some spiritual idea trying to release the energy that is in me and connecting it with the energy of others in the world so that this world, I'm not talking about that kind of idiotic stuff. Somebody said, I, I got books on that. I don't think i read many of them because, you know what, I wouldn't waste my time reading that stuff. I don't need to read that to know I don't agree with it. Just like you could give me an Oscar-winning movie on evolution. Evolution. I know it's not true. More truth about it isn't going to make it more true. True is true. But here's what he said. And in his word he doth meditate day and night. What does it mean? Meditate means means to ponder, think. It's a thinking man's word. Ponder, dwell on. It could even mean to muse or talk, talk softly. That means you go around talking to yourself, they'll, they'll call somebody. But meditation, meditate on his word all the day long. Meditate on the things of God? What would happen to us if we begin to do that? Look in Psalms 19. Just go to chapter 19. 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord thy God, my God. Words of my mouth, meditations of my heart. Have any of you ever used words that God wouldn't honor? I know you haven't done this, but let me just say it to the people that aren't here. Have you ever described somebody you know in less than nice terms? You ever backbit anybody? Have you ever been accused of backbiting? You ever slandered? You ever gossiped? I told you why I don't have any wings on my back. The backbiters bit them off. They're gone. You do that because you think of that. You're meditating on your injury, your pain, the damage that was done. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. I'll tell you one thing. That guy took my girlfriend away from me. I hope she has bad breath the rest of her life. Oh man, i tell you the truth. See, here's the way it works. I don't know how to draw this. I'm gonna draw it like this and come down like this I'm gonna come back with a little eyepiece here and come over like this here. Can anybody tell me what that might be? You can't say camera, just say, I don't know, (laughs) all right? And over here we have one of these kind of things. you have any idea what the purpose of this is in relation to that? This is to reflect what's in here. These are my thoughts. This is my mind. Now, here's spiritual truth. Whoever has got the control here, all my mind is is a something from which I'm going to make a decision. Whatever occupies my mind is going to occupy my will because my mind is going to some way, if the devil tr- is going to try to convince me that what I do is right because life is all about me, and how it affects me. If the devil is able to get the viewer here and project in his, I can't say film because people don't know what film is anymore. Hard drive, disk. What do you store information on now in cameras? One of you heady nerds, can you tell them what you you do? Do you use, uh, nobody in here knows. Well, let me just call it hard drive. You see, I've had a lot of experiences in my life. Man lives as long as I have done something right and wrong. Been places, have opinions, may have ideas, formed opinions. We often tell people about what we see by saying, well, this is how I see it. As I said earlier in the message, well, I just can't picture him or her being like that. I just can't picture church believing like that. I just can't picture whatever. Now, if the devil gets my mind and starts talking politically, you see, there are talk shows, there's always against something. If you've listened to one for one day, you know what I'm talking about. There's always something wrong with somebody. And the picture you begin to see of that somebody is always that it's, it's ugly and bad. And that's the picture you get. Or the devil can get in this mind here and tell you about some of your past experiences, how you were wronged. That wasn't fair. You were molested as a child. It scarred you. You got these problems. I hope none of you ever take a class in psychology forever all the years of your life because that is not a solution. You're welcome, but anyway, I don't think there's a college course in the world that doesn't throw that in there. But anyway, you see yourself as a wounded victim that uncle, that brother, cousin, daddy, whoever it was that took advantage of you, molested you as a young lady or as a young man, the priest in the church. And how later on, when you can't function normally and you don't know how to, to control your thoughts or you have a, an unusual curve in your life about how you swing, somebody says, Well, that was somebody else's fault. You're a victim. You start thinking victim. and You start realizing you have robbed me of peace and joy in my life of living normal because I can't get away from this picture in my mind of what you did to me, you nasty, unclean old man or woman. And these pictures occupy this hard drive. Let's say it was some uncle. All it takes is somebody, oh, my uncle, my uncle, Joe or Uncle Bill or whoever, Uncle Tom. And boy, that was his name. And you're sitting there and instead of getting what was about to be said, all you can think of, it goes back to you. And your teeth start gritting. And I hope he... Now let me ask you a question. Is that the way God wants you to see people that wronged you? Who hadn't been wronged? Who hasn't been lied to, stolen from, cheated misrepresented. Who hasn't had a bad romance? I hope all of you haven't. Had a bad time. You divorced. Your wife left you. Your husband left you. Ran around on you. And you get this picture, the devil says, well, you're just, you're just not capable of being the kind of woman you ought to be. Well, you're just not much of a man. And it wounds. It goes deep inside, and you can't get it off your mind. And all you want to do is just hope, hope they get what's coming to them. And yet God says what? Forgive. Is that possible? Because as I said Sunday, whoever is on your mind making you half mad owns you. They master you. All the devil has to do is throw up somebody's name, or you see a sign or hear a little story, and you go back into that little hoo you got because that's how you function. As a man thinketh, so is he. It puts you in a rage. You can't even worship God now. You can't praise the Lord. You can't read your Bible because after you had your little, and the devil comes up and says, oh, I guess you're going to praise the Lord now the church is over after the way you felt a while ago. Oh yeah, throw your hands up and go, the great is the Lord, you hypocrite. He comes at you one side to get you to do what he's doing. Then when you feel like what he wants you to feel, then he comes at you from the other side to condemn you for feeling like that. What a mess people's minds are in. But it's not psychology. It's sin. It's sin. Forgive them. Oh, that's easy for you to say. You think I've never been wronged in my life? You think I've never had anything wrong happen to me? There's some things that were so bad growing up, I would never bring it up. Even though it could be an illustration, I'd never bring it up. It's pretty painful. I grew up in a divorced home. I know what wrong things are like. I know the kind of picture you get. I know how I felt with the word hate. I know how that is. Until one day by revelation, a woman I'd never met in my life, never seen her, said the, word, the Lord gave me a word for you today at a camp. said, you got resentment against so-and-so, you need to go tell them that. Man, my heart smote me just, that is so, because I saw, I saw the whole picture. I went back to that time when this hate started. And I could never get it out of my mind. Growing up, all these years growing up, couldn't get it out of my mind. Until one day a revelation from the Lord came to a stranger. And I had to deal with it. I'm free now. When that picture pops up now, I say, oh, no, you don't. That's over. That's done. Get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot bring up my past. These old photographs don't work anymore. I remember one time preaching in a church in my hometown, just speaking once. And in, in the course of speaking, I'd gotten up to speak. I don't know who all was there. And I got up to speak, and there was an old girlfriend. I thought, oh, my God. Because <laughs> the picture is a little photograph. Oh, my goodness. But I, you know what I told myself? I said, look, you're redeemed. You're forgiven. All of that's in the past. The devil has no right to condemn you for what God has forgiven you from. You're free. I don't care what you did. I don't care how bad you did it, how often you did it. If you're saved, you're free. You start all over. God cleanses you with the word. But boy, these thoughts. This is a movie theater over here. And I'll guarantee you this for everybody in this room, whoever's listening to it, whoever's watching Whatever you give your mind to controls you. You think about your hurts and your pains and all the damages that were done to you in the past, you'll start seeing yourself as a victim. You poor soul. Listen, anybody who is a Christian in this room, anybody out of this room, if anybody is a Christian, you are not a poor old soul. You have been redeemed. You have been elevated and brought to the foot of the cross where the ground is level for all of us. We're all equal there. You have as much right to enter into the kingdom of God as anybody does. You have as much right to these promises as anybody does. Now, if the devil can get you to sit back and say, yeah, well, that works for somebody, but it won't work for you, that is a lie. He's the father of lies. He wants to drag you back into the place where you're nothing more than a complacent member of a church sitting in a pew, hoping all this stuff works. Hope someday maybe you'll get through and maybe you'll whatever. You know what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8? I know you do. If I start telling you, you know what it is. He said, whatsoever is honest, lovely, true, Righteous, good, godly. whatever it is that, that God is doing. whatever that God is saying, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does He say? Think on what? These things. So you do have something to think about. It's not your past. you've been forgiven. Well, they were banging on Jesus, hurting him. They were hurting him bad. I can't imagine a man hurting like he hurt it, like he got hurt. His back on that cross, carrying that cross and them open swords and blood all over, not swords, but wounds on his back. Thorns in down about an inch deep in his head when they put that crown on there mocking him and took a a reed and smacked him over the head real hard that drove that stuff down in there. I can't imagine. Grabbed his face and Pulled the hair out of his face, plucked his beard, mocked him, ridiculed him, kicked him, spat on him. Had to have help. He lost a lot of blood. Started in the Garden of Gethsemane when it came out of his brow all the way to the hill. They hung him on that cross. You know what he said? One of the last words he said? Father, do a number on him." You know what he said? You know what he said to that uncle, that aunt, that person that stole your bike, divorced you, jilted you, did you wrong? You know what he said? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. If they knew, K-N-E-W, if they knew, if they were really committed to what's right, they would have never done it. They just don't know who I am. Stephen, what about Stephen? A man full of faith and what? Holy Ghost? Holy Ghost? Preaching the word at the wrong convention. Preaching the word. Preaching the word. You know what happened? They picked up stones that stone him. you know what he said? Father, lay not this sin to their charge. What were they calling him and naming him? And I mean, I'm not talking about rocks like taking a little pebble out of the parking lot and seeing how many we could hit you with. I'm talking about some things like this. <clears throat> right on your headpiece. Ugly and terrible to watch. They did that to Paul and he got up and went back in the city. I bet the people through the biggest rock said, I'm getting out of town. He's still alive. How do you see yourself tonight, folks? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Are you allowing the thoughts of God to come through here and to shine on your heart, giving birth? to the things that please God, to the things that honor him? Is your heart fully set on what he said and the way he said it? Or is it just another church night? Or it just a meeting? It's another night at church that's lasting over an hour. Are your thoughts his thoughts? Are we thinking on these things? What if I begin to think Instead of wondering, as I do, and I've been guilty of doing this, of sitting down sometimes, especially on Mondays, when you're alone, finally by yourself. What's wrong? What's wrong? It's not like there may not be something wrong, because not enough people are really involved. I'm not talking about that nobody, because somebody always is, you know, got their motor running, got the pedal to the metal, and they're ready to go. But there's always that, Few that just don't seem to have any of that. They can't see themselves as liberated to do this. Never done that, maybe. I wonder what they see. But what if? I said, I tell you what, I've got some new film in my camera. From now on, I'm going to see this place just turned on. Not medium, not lukewarm, Certainly not cold, but hot. I remember a time it appeared to be hot. And it stayed hot until it split and then it never got back. I don't know. I don't know if it was just the stuff that was said and the resentment that maybe was held about those. I don't know. But I'm, I've been forgiven and I have forgiven. There is nobody that lives on this earth that I have anything against. I may not approve of their life or what they do, but I am not their problem. Nobody. Nobody in my family. Nobody that I've known in the past. Nobody. And some old ugly uncle pops up in in your mind about the past and he's dead, why don't you just forgive him? And how many people blame God? Why did God do this? Why? Why don't you forgive him? It's in your heart. God could have stopped you. He didn't have... Maybe you need to stop back and say, you know, it's altogether my fault. Lord, I surrender. I surrender. Forgive me, Lord, for what I did, for what I said, and so forth. And forgive them. Do you suppose there is truly such a thing as peace? <coughs> that a man can have peace in his valleys... Is it possible? I'll tell you one thing for all of us, you're not successful if you don't have peace. Whatever tears you up owns you, whatever puts you in a gloomy hole owns you. That's who you're mastered by. But you can see what God says that His people, like Him, they're imitators of God. God forgave, we can forgive. We can separate ourselves and walk away, not because we're hateful, not because we're better than any, anybody, but God shows me that a little little uh, um, what's that word you put called yeast? Leaven. Yeah, I said a little y'all supposed to help me. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. And you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go backwards, I'm going forwards. There's those dismal days that I really am tired. I worked all day, preacher preaches a little too long and I get tired and I'm go. Sleepy. But I'm going to command my body to do what pleases God. I'm going to offer to him, whether my body wants I'm going to offer him a sacrifice of praise. If he wants my time, it's his anyway. He bought me with a price. I belong to him. I want this picture in my life. I want to be governed by it. And now, Lord, put my feet on the road to success so that I can say I am living a divinely successful life. I want to do that next week. It's like an adventure. You have to come back and see what that's about. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your word to us that we might see it as you said it, that we might understand it as you have spoken it, that we might be able to perceive, lay hold of these truths and be a different person. Bless each one here, those who watch and listen. In this way, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.